Hey, this is Jeff Caudill from Game Face and Low Coast, and you're listening to The New Scene. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The New Scene. I am your host, Keith, and we're back with another brand new episode. And I've got another great one for you this week. We have Popeye Vogelsang of Farside and Calling Hours. Popeye's new band, Calling Hours, has just released an excellent new LP on Revelation Records. It's called Say Less. And Far Side, we know and love. We cover everything. Far Side history, Calling Hours, the origin of that new band. Jeff's move from Los Angeles to Scranton, Pennsylvania. This was a really great conversation that took some turns that I didn't expect. Some pleasant turns. And that's coming up shortly. But first, here's how you can support the new scene. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at New Scene Pod. Follow us on Twitch at The New Scene. Reviews. Give us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm still on the push to get us over 200 Apple Podcast reviews. And we've been sitting at 157 for about a week and a half now. So we've got to step it up. We've got to see some movement. We've got to open this shit up. Let's go. Around half of our audience listens on Apple Podcasts. So if you're one of them, open the app, scroll down, and hit the five-star button. And if you write a review, I'll read it at the end of the show during the New Scene Community Hour. Shirts. We have shirts for sale at Deathwish Inc. Head over there, search the New Scene, pick up a shirt. It's a great way to support the show. Also, you can always email me at newscenepod at iodinerecords.com. Also, don't forget to support Iodine Recordings, who have just introduced the Iodine Mystery Box. It's available until the end of the year, and the Mystery Box comes in three sizes. You'll receive records from the Iodine Archives, which includes all of their releases. All boxes will be randomly selected, and all orders are final. No returns or exchanges unless the vinyl is damaged. Option 1. Two LPs for $25, option two, four LPs, and a 7-inch for $50, and option three, three 7-inches, plus a limited flexi for $18. In fact, I just saw Joe and Casey this past weekend, and I tried my hardest to get them to tell me what's in the mystery boxes. Here's some audio from that exchange. Uh, what's in the box? Not you give me the what's gun. in the fucking box? Give me the gun. He just told you. You lie! You're a fucking liar! Shut up! Look, things get tense over here sometimes at New Scene Inc. Horsewhip have a gig with Jillian Carter at Will's Pub in Tampa. That's on December 15th. This show is to celebrate the 18th anniversary of Jillian Carter. That's a great gig. If you're in Tampa, go. Jerome's Dream have East Coast tour dates in February. Check out their page or the Iodine page for a full list of dates. And Best X has an upcoming gig, December 16th in Providence, Rhode Island at Alchemy. Also, don't forget to support this 
month's sponsor. Bridge 9 Records. Sign up for Bridge 9's email list. You'll get information about new releases, exclusive in-store shows and events, and promotions that go out to their email subscribers regularly. And throughout this month, you get 20% off in the Bridge 9 store with code NEWSCENEPOD. Did you hear what I just said? 20% off in the Bridge 9 store. If you were thinking of picking something up, now is the time. Stop by the Bridge 9 record store at 282 Rantoul Street in Beverly, Massachusetts. It's open every Wednesday through Sunday, starting at 11 a.m. They've got Bridge 9 releases, they've got other releases, they've got stuff exclusive to the store, they've got it all. You gotta stop by, you have to. For more information, head to bridgethenumber9.com and follow the Bridge 9 Instagram at Bridge 9. That's Bridge N I N E. Okay, so listen, check back in with me. At the end of the show, I'll tell you everything that's going on with me. We'll do a pop-by wrap-up discussion. We'll read some feedback from the listeners. We'll cover everything. But right now, we are going to speak to Popeye Vogelsang of Farside and Calling Hours. Enjoy. You glide through the hallway like there ain't no walls You steal all the light and take no curtain calls It's such a scene, like frames on a screen And the cellulite can be so mean All right, we are here now with Popeye Vogelsang. Popeye, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Yes, Popeye, it's great to have you here. You know, you've got a lot of stuff going on, Calling Hours. Just put out an excellent LP called Say Less, and you've been doing music all throughout the years, and Borderline, and Farside, and your favorite train wreck, and a lot of other stuff. And Popeye, we're going to cover all of that, but first I want to ask you, how are you doing today? Uh, today I am doing okay. Um, uh, I had a really nice Thanksgiving. I'm I'm uh, here in California visiting uh, visiting family, um, so it was really nice uh, spending some time with my mom and my brother and my nephew and my sister and my niece. Somebody brought over an unwanted guest, and so a few of us are on the mend. Um, Ooh. so to speak. So, um, yeah, so, I, I, so, so I'm okay. Like, I, like I'm not 100% right now, but I'm okay. That's good. That's good. Who was the unwanted guest? Can we go into detail or not? Was it like a partner or a family member or what's the story? No, it was a cold. We, we, we caught colds. That was the unwanted guest. Oh, the, you mean like viral? Yes. Guest. A viral guest. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, something came over and it went viral. Uh, and so, uh, and then on uh, 
Black Friday was a was it was a very Black Friday because uh, uh, some of us woke up just like not feeling right. Well, you know the 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 benefit of getting sick in 2023 is that if you get sick and it's not COVID, you're actually happy. Yeah, we were thrilled. We we all took we took our tests and you know we we did a little cheer like hooray, but but you still feel like crap. So it, it's uh, it's it's not great. There's not a whole lot you can do about it. Yeah, we're just kind of just <laughs> just trying to push through it, I guess. Right. So uh, you moved out to Scranton, Pennsylvania. Is this is this true? This is true. Yeah, uh, just uh, uh, just six years now. Um, oh, it's been six years. Yes. Uh, yeah, it, I, I moved out there uh, for a woman. And uh, isn't it crazy the things we do for love, like moving to Scranton, Pennsylvania? Yeah, true. Um, however, if you've never been to Scranton, I can tell you it's really nice. Like, like, is it? Yeah, my wife and I, we love it. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Like, it's, it's nice to, and she's also originally from California. She moved out there for work. And then we, we met through some, through some mutual friends. And then that turned into a long distance situation. And then I eventually moved out there. But for California kids who didn't get to experience the four seasons or like leaves actually changing color in, autumn or seeing snow <laughs> like it like we're really into it but it's a it is really lovely we live in a um it's not a rural area but it's like a it's like this little village up in the hills that's kind of nestled among among amongst a bunch of trees and it it is really it's really beautiful and oh my god the birds like there are so many birds like in California, you get seagulls, and that's that's about it. Um, <laughs> but uh, in in Scranton, there's you know uh, blue jays and cardinals and eagles and orioles. All the major league teams are represented in the uh, the bird families out there. So yeah, we have a lot of bird feeders and squirrel feeders, and um, yeah, we dig it. It's really nice, and the pace is slower. There's no traffic, which is great. Yeah, that's one thing I don't like about Southern California. Well, I guess it's a Northern California thing too, but just you exist in your car, especially in Southern California. Traveling, you know, it's just like, oh, this thing is uh, 15 miles away. That's an hour and a half drive. Yeah. Uh, and that, and that's, that's, I think that's part of why it's difficult to be a musician in Southern California, because you'll reach out to your friends and say, hey, I got a show coming up this weekend. And they'll say, Oh yeah, that's like that's five miles away. That's going to take forever to get there. And what's the parking situation? And yeah, I, I'm not going to make it, bro. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, you know that's a lot of uh, northeast stuff that uh, listening to you describe it, I realized I've been taking for granted the four seasons. It's so great to experience the four seasons. Uh, Blue Jays and Cardinals were the exact birds I was going to mention. Still, when I see them, I was I'm like, whenever I see them, still I'm like, look, look, that's I awesome. Know. Look at that. I know. Yeah, the plumage is so vibrant. Like, like you can't help yourself but to flip out a little bit. Yeah. When did you? So you've been there for six years. What happened? Did she come back to Scranton, and you were still in California, and you were both together? Uh, no, she had she had lived there for a good number of years before we met. Actually, we, we were introduced by, um, the Sensefield guys. It was, uh, ah. um, after, 
after John Bunch had passed away, um, there were there were a couple of um, memorial shows. I'm just saying this for those who may not know. Um, there was a West Coast memorial show tribute show and an East Coast tribute show. Um, the East Coast one was in Philadelphia, and uh, myself and my good friend Jeff Cadell were asked to to fly out and do some songs with Sensefield in Philadelphia, and that's where she and I met because she has been longtime friends with Sensefield. And I, I, I was vetted by, by the guys in Sensefield. She was hanging out with them and asked like, Hey, do you guys know that Popeye guy? Like, is he okay? Like, is he a good guy? <laughs> and they, you know, they, they caught the drift of what she was asking and they said, yeah, he's cool. We could, <laughs> you want to meet him? We'll introduce you to him. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, that's how we met. And, uh, yeah, um, we're and we're both remote workers, so it was kind of easy easier for us to just kind of fly back and forth and visit each other. And yeah, the, all the all the times I flew out to, it's not like it was the only time I had ever been in northeastern Pennsylvania, but it's different when you're when you're on tour compared to when you're like, okay, I'm staying here for like a few weeks, and you have to go grocery shopping and you know do laundry or whatever. Oh yeah, and you, and you can kind of you can kind of get a vibe for what it's like to live here in the suburbs, and uh, yeah, that just I really dug it. Like it was it was really cool, and so uh, yeah, and uh, oh my god, the pierogies and the pizza, <laughs> and you can't. They you, have good pizza in Scranton. They do. They've got they've got their they've got their own style. They call it Old Forge Pizza. It's kind of similar to like a Sicilian type of pizza like they uh they'll do it in a um a tray like a like a rectangular tray they got their own style i grew up in pennsylvania outside just outside of philadelphia and i know i've been to redding and wilkes Barrer, and i don't know if i've been to scranton i can't remember yeah yeah scranton's like like right next pretty much right next door to wilkes Barrer. um but yeah i don't know i'm <laughs> i'm i'm proud of my lame suburban existence if that makes sense was it a hard adjustment because you were in southern california for a long time uh in some ways yes um uh well also well mostly like i mean i grew up in the suburbs so that part of it wasn't wasn't challenging but the the previous 20 years i had lived in los angeles proper in uh in the in the miracle mile and so if there was a if there was a problem I would just call my landlord and suddenly my wife already had already owned the house that we lived in. So if something broke, then it was like, Oh, I got to deal with this. Oh, uh, Hmm. Let me get my ramshackle toolbox and see if I can, and I'll watch some YouTube videos to figure out how to fix stuff. So in that regard, yeah, it was, it was a little, (laughs) a little strange, like, you know, not being a, you know, just kind of adjusting to married life and, uh, uh, yeah, like taking on more responsibilities. The other thing is my wife is, uh, ha- has been hugely involved in animal rescue for th- the bulk of her life. So currently we have 11 cats and, uh, a couple of rabbits. And then we would occasionally also foster, um, orphaned kittens. So, I, I think the record is at one time we had 17 animals in the house. Once. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's a, it's a, 
it's a pretty solid uh, juggling act that you do. There's not a lot of not a lot of time for napping. <laughs> and the animals can nap all they want, but you, you know, you you always have to be taking care of something. But uh, yeah, or there, there's a cat crawling up next to you, or you hear two cats fighting in the other room, or something. They're always up to something. They're always up to something. Yeah. So <laughs> those 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 were the major adjustments, as far as I can recall. At what point do you hook up with calling hours, and how? Oh, that was uh, that was. I guess it's it's coming up on coming up on two years. So it was, it was New Year's, New Year's Day, a couple of years ago. And the other guys in that band, they've known each other forever. And they've been, they've all been involved in different projects with one another. A couple of them played in this band called the commercials, and they were going to be doing a, uh, a reunion show in uh, Harrisburg, uh, where, where they all live. And we have a, the promoter, Jeremy Weiss, is a mutual friend of ours. And those other guys caught wind that I was living in Pennsylvania. And so they reached out to Jeremy and asked, hey, is it true that Popeye lives in Pennsylvania? Yeah. Do you think he'd be interested in in opening the show, like doing an, a solo acoustic set? I'll ask him. Also, do you think he would be interested in doing a few full band far side songs with us? I'll ask Ooh. him. So Jeremy uh, reached out to me and and I said, yeah, that sounds great. And he assured me they're outstanding musicians, which they are. And, but we, we had never, we had never met or had any contact before. And so um, we got in touch and we were like, yeah, that sounds like it'd be fun. Let's do it. And so uh, I showed up to the show and we ran through the songs we were going to do during sound check and they sounded great. And we had a blast and, uh, and then afterwards, we were just kind of trying to get to know each other a little bit. Um, and I, uh, I remember asking Tom, our lead guitar player, like, are, are you guys like doing anything? Like, do you guys have anything else going on? And he said, yeah, we're working on some music. We just get together once in a while and just kind of have like jam sessions in our basement. But, you know, we can't, we can't seem to find a singer. And I, kind of awkwardly rose my hand and I said, well, I'm not really doing anything. Do you have like recordings of any of this that you could send me? And his eyes got really big and he said, yeah, we'll send you some stuff. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they sent me a bunch of songs and they said, just, you know, write anything that comes to mind. Um, the other thing is uh, all of those guys, they are all in the band. Don't sleep with Dave Smalley. Yes. And, uh, and so they've worked with Brian McTurnan and remained friends with him. Brian has been a very good friend of mine for decades, but he and I have never had the opportunity to work together. And so uh, one of the other guys just happened to be texting Brian and said, "Oh, by the way, we we're gonna we're gonna try to do a little project with Popeye." And Brian, like, supposedly Brian texted back and said, "Book studio time now." Let's start demoing <laughs> now. And, and so, uh, yeah, so literally like a, it seemed like a few weeks later we were, we were in a, a recording studio together, like having like writing sessions and demoing songs. And, and then that's when it felt like, Oh shit, we're an actual band. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just like that. Pretty much. How much of the record was written at that point when you went into the studio and started demoing? Like how many songs did you have? Uh, we actually had, we we had a 
enough to do. I think we had like 10 or 11 songs actually. Um, but then we just, we, we had like when, when revelation said that they wanted to put out our record, um, it was their suggestion that like, why don't you like pare it down and do a 12 inch EP rather than do an album? Because then it'll be like two years before you put out another record, but l- let's weed out the songs you want to put out now. And then maybe six months to one year from now, you can put out another EP. Um, so that's kind of how that process worked. And how did you write? Um, I mean, did they get the music first and then you came up with lyrics and melodies in yes. the studio and like that? Yeah, I, I worked I worked on the, the vocals and lyrics at home. I, I, <laughs> admittedly, I was, I was too shy to like, I have, I have the ability to record things at home, but I was just kind of too shy to do that. And, and I felt like, well, we, we went at this whole thing and this was, this, this was a new process for, for all of us. Um, it, we went in with the understanding that, that Brian was going to, he was going to like full on legitimately produce this record. Um, normally like for for every other band that any of us had ever been in it would be you rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and that's exactly how the song is going to sound like when you go into the studio that's exactly how you're going to record it but brian didn't want us to work that way like he didn't want to listen to any of the songs beforehand he didn't want to listen to any of the the practice recordings and made it clear that don't be too married to anything that you've done at this point. Um, that's why I mentioned earlier that they were kind of like songwriting sessions. So, yeah. so we went in, we would go in and we would, uh, we would do like a live recording of a song and then we would go, go into the control room and then we'd all kind of look at each other for a minute. And then Brian would look up at the ceiling for a second and then he would say, okay, here's what I think we need to do with this song. Um, and then we, we would all just have to be receptive to it and not be insulted if something we did sucked and it would be like, okay, this part, maybe we'll make this longer. Maybe we'll make this part shorter. You know, let's, let's, let's take it from there. Let's try that out. And then we would go back in and do another live recording until we were, and keep doing that until we were happy with what came out. Um, so backtracking a little bit as far as lyrics like a lot of it because I, because I agonize over every syllable, but at the same time I had to have it in the back of my mind that this might get, this might get axed or you may have to write like, you may have to write like a couple more lines if the song gets extended, which did happen. And then I'd be like, uh, uh, Oh God. (laughs) Um, yeah. Uh, the cat sat on a hat. (laughs) Just like, just trying to scribble things out just so it sounded palatable. I guess. Did you ever disagree with Brian? Were you like, or was he usually spot on? Um, I, I would say that he was, he was, he was spot on with everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but I think, I think it has a lot to do with just uh, your attitude about the whole thing. Like, like we were basically going in as a lump of clay and we said, here, make this into a nice vase. What a fantastic opportunity to be able to do that in the studio with Brian McTurnan of all people. I know. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, the guy's brilliant and, and he's a good friend and he, he, he knows what he's doing. And, uh, and we, 
we all have a, a tremendous level of trust with him. So it was, uh, um, the, the challenges were only creative there, there, there weren't any like personality challenges by any means. Like he's a, he's even a, better. Yeah. He's a sweetheart. And we, we, you know, we're already talking about doing our next record. Like we just, we can't wait to work with him again. Amazing. So we have the record now, by the way, the record is called Say Less, and I think it's fantastic. The production is great. The songs are great. Nothing is too long. The album is not too long. You know, I look, I don't like when bands put out like 15 song records in 2023. <laughs> I'm sorry if you disagree, but uh, I'm desensitized by the internet and whatever else, and I'm old and I don't have as much time, but... There's no time, man. There's no time yeah, for that. I like the... I love the production, I like the length. I, I think I just think you guys did a fantastic job with Thank this. Thank you so much. That uh, really, really appreciate you saying that. We're very proud of it. Um, you know, at the, at, at the risk of being arrogant, like we're you, you, you can puff out your ch- we could puff out our chests a little bit and be like, yeah, like we wouldn't we wouldn't change anything. You know, we're we're super stoked about it. So thank you very much for saying that, Keith. Absolutely. So, um, wait, what was I going to ask? Uh, we were talking about Brian and recording and the record. It's going to come to me. <laughs> we can stroke Brian's ego some more if, you know, if he ever listens to this. I, he might. He's been on the show. I don't know if he listens, but I, I would guess maybe sometimes <laughs> if, I, if I have a band on he's worked with. <laughs> yeah. Have you guys played shows yet? Have you been playing? Yeah, we, uh, we did a... It's a, the distance between Scranton and Harrisburg makes it a little challenging. It's about yeah, maybe two and a half hours. So they can get together anytime they want. It's a little more challenging for me to get out there. Um, but we did, we were able to do a few shows before the record came out. And then, and then we, we, we pretty much won the jackpot and we got to go on tour with as friends, rust in Europe. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. That happened. Uh, that just happened in October. It was a whirlwind. Like we, like we did like a, a nine show run with those guys and instantly bonded with them. And they're just, Oh my God, those guys are amazing. And so they're like our, they're like our, our band besties now. <laughs> Cause we just, <laughs> we had, we had such a great time with them and, um, you know, we have a, a mutual admiration society. So, uh, but it's it's kind of ridiculous because uh, uh, don't sleep was supposed to go on that tour, and then um, they weren't able to go, and then some of the other guys in Calling Hours reached out to as friends Russ and said, "Hey, we were still kind of planning on going. We got this new band with Popeye. What would you say to us coming out as your support act?" And they amazingly said, "Yeah, that's that sounds cool." And we were like, "Oh shit! Now we have to go," um, <laughs> and. So that happened really, really quickly, and uh, yeah, d- d- despite the the challenges of being uh, guys in your forties and fifties and playing nine shows in a row, uh, we had an incredible time, um, and the response was really terrific. At that point, we we had one digital single out, so our record wasn't even out yet. We just had a digital single, but uh, uh, amazingly, like people actually were curious and interested and the rooms were full every night that we played like, and there's no obligation. Like, like you don't have to watch the opening band, but people wanted to watch the opening band 
And we also noticed that as we were playing, people weren't leaving the room, which is also a good sign. Oh yeah. Um, so it was, uh, it was incredible. Um, and it, it completely absurd because we had, we had played three shows before we went on that tour. And, uh, so it, t- it took about two or three shows for us to like, l- like feel like we were like gelling as a band, like, okay, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> how do we start this song again? Like, um, it was, it was, it was kind of silly, uh, uh, in, in many ways, but then by the end of the tour, we were like ready to just like, just start like crushing things. Like it was, uh, it felt really good as exhausted as we were like it, it, like it felt good as musicians that we, we kind of got to that place where we felt like, all right, we are a real band. Like we're really a real band now. Oh yeah. That's amazing. And how does it feel to be in a full band situation Again, I mean, this is the first one you've done since your favorite train wreck. Yeah, it's been about it's. I think it's been around ten years. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 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 been outstanding. Um, you know, mostly. I don't want to. I don't want to sound too sappy, but uh, I just I love these guys so much, and like I made four new friends, like really really good friends, and uh, like to to me that's probably the most important or most significant part about it like like i feel like we're i feel like we're a gang you know it feels good to be part of a gang we don't commit we don't commit like super heinous crimes or anything but you're, <laughs> you're still a gang and that's that's my favorite part about it i love it i love it so i was surprised when i read all of the guys are in don't sleep with dave smalley who's also been on the show so they have that band they have yeah. calling hours with you. Now, what if they started a third band <laughs> and got like Russ Rankin to sing or something like that? Would that would that make you feel weird? Not at all. More power to them. <laughs> no, they they they've got it in them. Like they're they're all uh they're all professionals and they have their day jobs and they have wives and children and they're very responsible human beings. But uh, they have a need to play music. So if they they, if they find a way to do it, like go forth and conquer, my friends. Yeah, I think I saw. I think I met them back in the day. The commercials. I'm, mm. I'm pretty sure I saw them, and I'm pretty sure my friend drummed for them at one point back in like the year 2000. So I, oh, cool. I remember seeing them. Yeah. All right on. Yeah, I know. I I do. I do remember. I'm not talking smack, but I remember them saying that they had several drummers over the course of that band's uh, tenure. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't surprise me, but, uh, yeah, yeah they're just, uh, they're rad guys. I can't, uh, I can't say enough good things about them. So reading about you, Popeye, I was surprised to read all the years, all the bands, everything you've done, like music was not always necessarily the number one priority. You were like, you weren't like, oh, I have to be in a band and I have to tour and this is what I'm going to do. And this is all, this is all I'm going to do. So you have calling hours now. How did you decide it was time to be in a band again? Uh, I just, you know, I, I, it, 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 I don't want to say that it's, well, again, it, it, it was just a conversation I was having with our lead guitar player, Tom, and it was just kind of a, just kind of the heat of the moment. It's like, oh, you guys are great musicians. You have songs and you need a singer. Yeah. 
and that, and that was it. And then it wasn't really until I was driving back home to Scranton that night, that long drive. And I thought, Oh shit, did you just commit to being in a band right now? Like, <laughs> like what are you, what are you getting yourself into? Like you barely know these guys, but yeah, I don't know something about it. Just kind of, I don't know. Something just kind of felt right. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. And yeah. it's it's a good way to meet people and connect with people and be involved with something. Like, you know, I don't drink or get high anymore. I don't go to bars. So if I'm if I'm meeting people and doing something, it's usually in the context of a band or a project or going to a show or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I was uh I wouldn't say that I was bored or feeling like I needed to do something creative. I mentioned all of the cats. Yeah. Um, my, my schedule's typically pretty full, but, uh, but I thought, yeah, I, I think I have, I think I have room in my headspace for this and, uh, and why not you, you, uh, you love it and hate it. So why not do it? Give it a shot. Right. And, uh, we're glad that you did. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> glad somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> so far side, you were also in this band. Do you remember that? Wait, who are you talking about? I'm kidding. Yes, of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> this yep. was uh, what, like 11 years of your life from around age 19 to let's say 30? Yeah. Yep. That's uh, that's about right. Yeah. Let's talk about the beginning. Now, you're around 19 years old. You were in Borderline. That was your first band, the hardcore <laughs> band. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. And uh, then Rob from Hard Stance is forming a new band, and you're like, "I want in on this. Let's do it." Yes. That that's uh that's how it happened. I'd never uh, I'd never sung for a band before. Um, I was uh, I was working. It was yeah, right after I graduated high school, and I was working at a I was working at a gas station, and Rob came in one day, and we were just like, "Hey, what's up?" And we're just kind of. Cause you know, we, we, we went to the same high school and we were just kind of chatting and he mentioned that he was, he was doing a new band that was kind of more of a melodic thing and kind of the same situation with calling hours. He said, yeah, we, we just can't seem to find a singer. And I said, Oh, I could sing. And he looked at me and he's like, no, you can't. And I said, yeah, I can. <laughs> he's like, I've never heard you sing before. And I was like, well, but I can sing like, I, like I, I promise you I can do this. And he's like, come on. And we had this like debate for a few minutes <laughs> and like other customers are coming in. I'm like, hold on a second. You know, and, and we're talking and, and I, and I said, dude, I promise you, I can actually sing a little bit, a little bit. Like if you, you know, do you have like a practice demo or something? I can write lyrics or do whatever. And he said, okay, fine. And then he came back the next day with a, with a cassette tape of one of their, uh, um, one of their practice sessions. And, and then when he handed it to me, he asked again, can you really sing? Yeah, dude, I, <laughs> I, I, I swear to you, I can sing like, come on. He's like, all right, well, we're practicing, you know, next week or whatever, write some lyrics. We have five songs. And so like, I just like started again, scribbling out whatever, uh, whatever I could. And, uh, yeah. And I showed up to, uh, showed up to band practice. We ran through the songs a couple of times. The really funny part is like I brought a tape recorder so I could record what we were all doing. And then we decided to take a break and I, you know, went to go get a, went to the bathroom, got a soda and I forgot to turn off the tape recorder. 
So I got to hear what they were saying about me. Oh, wow. Which I I did not do intentionally. Um, I came back from the break and they were like, all right, dude, you're in. And I was like, yeah, all right. Awesome. We're a band. (laughs) And so then when I was driving home and I popped in the, popped in the tape to listen to us there, I got to say they were less than enthused. Uh, They were, they were like, well, what do you guys think? Oh, I don't know. I guess he's, I guess he's okay. You know, it's pretty good. Something, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of muttering. They're like, all right, um, do we have any other options? No, I guess he's okay. So that's, <laughs> so that, that's how, that's how that uh, chapter of my life began. That's a great trick. I'm going to do that at my next band practice. <laughs> I'm going to leave the phone rolling. And I'm going to be like, guys, I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back and just see what's really going on. I don't recommend it. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Cause uh, it, if it goes south, then you're not going to be happy. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't want to know what people really think. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Pop. Yeah. I'm telling you <laughs> yeah, me neither. I, I need to live in my fantasy world. I really yeah. do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So you join the band and what happens? I, I guess we just start playing around locally and we, we know that you went on to do a lot of things. Do you just start playing in California and expanding outwards? Yeah, that, that was, uh, that's exactly what it was. Like we just, I don't know if like people, people talk, they're like, Hey, I heard you actually it, it was, uh, like, I didn't know our drummer, Bob violence at all. Um, what was, a great name. I know. Um, yeah. And he always hated it. Um, but he, he was in a band called, he was in a band called rough house, um, with, uh, with the bass player Regis Guerin from chorus of disapproval. And they, they put out a seven inch. They were, they were, they were just like a local hardcore band. I, I think they, I think you can count on one hand, the number of shows that they played, but for, for whatever reason, everybody loved Bob violence. And so, uh, you know, I was going to community college at the time and guys would come up to me and ask, Hey, I heard you're in a band with Bob violence. <laughs> like, and I'm like, yeah, I, 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 I don't really know him, huh? But you're in a band with Bob violence. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that, huh? It was like that. And so people would start offering us shows like, you know, same thing, like, op- like op- opening act and, um, you know, for a hardcore show that had like, five six seven bands on it and um and then we were we recorded a demo and you know sold them for three bucks and uh one of our we we did have a a little bit of a hookup because uh you know rob being in hard stance and his older brother mark was playing bass for gorilla biscuits Ah. and uh and that was around the time when Walter Schreifels was starting crisis records, which was uh, like a, an offshoot of revelation records, like to do like more non hardcore kind of stuff. And so Mark was able to pass along our demo to Walter and Walter thought we were good. And so then we got to, this is so ridiculous. We got to, we got to fly out to New York for a week to record our first seven inch at Don Fury's in, in New York. Wow. Um, yeah. And we were, we were all like freaking out about it. We lived off of pizza and Snapple for, you know, a week and uh, got completely sick uh, <laughs> as a, as a result of it. But we got I'm still re- on that diet <laughs> again. <laughs> Cause I'm here it. now. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, we, you know, we, 
we had we had certain connections um but at the same time i i i i I want to believe that if what we were doing wasn't good none of this would have happened in the first place so yeah we got to record that that record and then revelation was into it and then we you know we got to play more shows and we had like a physical product like hey we got a record you know it was kind of a big deal like uh in in the very early 90s like if you had a seven inch like that actually kind of mattered yeah because it wasn't like the internet now where you can put anyone can put anything on spotify or anyone can contact a pressing plant and get a record done you had to like know people back then yeah yeah so i i think it was a there i think there was some legitimacy to it and uh it certainly helped and then we got to play more shows and then we eventually did our first uh national tour on a seven inch and then we did a european tour and then we did a second national tour and just kept playing shows is this all like with around 1990 yeah like the like probably the the first third of the 90s is is when things were really kind of really kind of happening for us and then i think uh once we got into like the mid to late 90s that's when we got out of college and had and and got real jobs and uh didn't have as much time for it or maybe we just uh didn't quite have the enthusiasm for it yeah i think we 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 always loved the band and you know, we're, it's not like we had like a nasty breakup or anything. You know, we, we still all remain friends to this day. Yeah. You know what I, because Farside is one of the few bands that hasn't reunited or anything I created, I didn't know anything about the breakup or you or anything. So I created this big story in my mind that like you guys don't like each other. And there was a big, and there was a big breakup and like, no one wants to talk to you and like all this. So I made up this whole story, but none of that's true. No. <laughs> no, we, ha- we 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 have text threads and Instagram threads where we send each other random goofy videos and we we've talked about it cuz we'll, we'll get offers once in a while. Yeah. But then we'll have a conversation and it's like, "Oh my god, like do we even think we would be remotely good?" No, we would be terrible because we're <laughs> because we're not in our in our early 20s anymore and uh yeah, there's just there's just too many aches and pains and uh yeah, we would just we we would be lousy, and so we we just kind of we're we're happy to just kind of leave it where we left it. Like, let's not ruin it by trying to do like some pathetic kind of reunion show and and uh, disappoint everybody, mostly ourselves. So that's it. No reunion. Well, check back with me in five years. We'll see what happens. <laughs> um have you guys ever gotten together and played again like even just in your practice space or anything or a practice space uh no we 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 have we have talked about doing that but we we all live in different parts of the country so just logistically it's like man i don't want to fly out there uh it would it would would be that'd be that'd be a long uh that would be a long journey just to get together for a jam session. And, yeah. And we're old guys and we get tired and we're like, nah, let's just, we'll just send each other goofy videos. Yeah. No, I, I feel you on that. I'm 41 now. And, uh, look, if I'm, if I'm flying somewhere, something big has got to be going on. 
Correct. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I read about Farside I had no idea about. Uh, Zach De La Roca played guitar in the band at one point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was a he was a good friend of ours. Um, yeah. I think I, I think he was he was in the band for I think maybe like six months. It was kind of a kind of an interesting period because Inside Out had recorded their record, but there were a lot of delays in it being released, and so. And, and, you know, Zach was our buddy and he was like, "Hmm, I'm not doing anything right now. Like, what would you say to me? Like being your second guitar player? And we were like, yeah, man, you're a shredder. And, uh, no, it was, it was really cool having him in the band. Like he's, he's an incredibly talented guy. And, uh, and then finally the inside out record came out and he's like, uh, I got to kind of do this now. And we were like, yeah, it's cool. No problem. So. He did, uh, he, we did, we did do a demo session with him, our second demo session that came out on, um, uh, the scrap record that we put out. I think it's the, the second half of those songs. Like he played guitar on, on those. I didn't know he played guitar too. And apparently is a shredder. That's cool. Yeah. He's a great, he was a great guitar player. Yeah. He was, he and that's that's what ultimately led to uh uh to me starting to play guitar for Farside and not just be a singer because then after after Zach left uh Rob was still in the band and he said all right well we need to get another guitar player and I was like great who can we who can we get and Rob said well why don't you sing and play guitar and I'm like what are you talking about that's the most re- I, I don't know how to do that I don't know how to do that I've never done that before and he said well why don't you try I don't want to try. Okay. (laughs) Why don't you try? And so I just kind of workshopped that for a while and um, just practiced and practiced and practiced. And then I realized, Oh yeah, you can actually sing and play guitar simultaneously pretty good or at least. Okay. Um, Yeah. Before you do it, it seems like it'll be impossible, but then once you actually start doing it, it's not, it's not that hard. Yeah. But before you do it, and I'm, I'm generally kind of shy to begin with. So, yeah. you know, and I don't, I don't want to, I, I don't want to be the guy that ruins anything. Um, but, uh, then we, uh, yeah, we started practicing and, and then you would, you do a song and then you'd look around at the other guys and like, okay, who's going to hate me right now? And they would say, <laughs> no, yeah, that sounded good. Do it again. Okay. And so, yeah, I'm like you, I'm, I'm incredibly shy. And so that's why I was happy and surprised to hear that at 19, you know, you're like, you're just saying you can sing. You're like, no, I've got this. I'm going to do it because <laughs> that that's what I, I wanted to sing for a band so bad when I was like 16, 17, like a hardcore band, because I didn't play any instruments at that point. But it was this deep, dark secret. Like I didn't want to admit to anyone that I wanted to sing in a band. So I would, I would just kind of keep it secret. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that sums up, sums me up very well. Yeah. But actually this show taught me to just do it, just go and do it because you have nothing to lose except people saying like, oh no, like, sorry, that, and that's fine. I've heard that before. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. So far side is touring. We're doing all kinds of stuff. I've read this about the band. Some people wanted to go full bore and tour full time and maybe try out a major label if that was a possibility. And some people didn't. I, it seems like you're one of the 
people that did not want to? I am absolutely one of the people that did not want to. Um, I, uh, I, I've, I've always had, uh, as much as I like to go out and rock and roll, I really enjoyed the thought of having a quiet, calm life. And, uh, the thought of being on tour like six months or nine months out of the year just did not appeal to me at all. And, uh, and the other thing, and this is going to be super sappy. Um, I fucking hate rock stars and, <laughs> and I, 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 I don't like that life. It like, it just did not, it did not appeal to me. Like I, I, uh, and I, I didn't want to feel like I was, uh, I mean, I'm a hardcore kid. I, I, I didn't want to feel like I was part of this uh, corporate machine. I suppose that we could have we could have done a lot more. I know we could have done a lot more, but uh, I don't know. I, w- I wanted to keep it small. Was there bigger opportunities? Like, did you ever talk to majors or were there big tour offers, that kind of thing? There were a few. And, um, uh, and, and we didn't have a, we didn't have a manager or anything, um, larger. There were, there were a few times where major labels would call Jordan at revelation and ask like, who are we supposed to talk to? Cause we don't like, do they have a legal department? And, the, and Jordan's like, Nope, we, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. And, you know, and, I, and, and then Jordan would call me and I would just say, yeah, just tell him no. I don't want to, I don't want to be part of it. Wow. So you never even had the discussions. I think a couple of times we did, but it was more like, are you going to take us out to dinner? Sure. Yeah. Great. I'll take a free meal. (laughs) Um, But, but otherwise, uh, no, it just, I felt like it just, I felt like the community meant too much to me to, want to be one of those guys who just kind of bailed on it. And, uh, and I, I, I don't know, it would, it would just, I had this feeling that it would kind of make me feel dirty in a way, you know, that, that you, that you, that you, uh, rose to a certain level of prominence on the backs of, of, uh, your friends who uh, spent their hard-earned time and their hard-earned money to come see you play and buy a T-shirt and buy a record, and uh, and then you, you know, you just kind of sign on the dotted line and and then you bail out. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to feel that way because I, because I wasn't that guy, and I, uh, <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm still not that guy. Um, at this stage of my life, hey, if someone wants to give me a million dollars, I'll fucking take it. But, <laughs> but at that time, I just didn't feel right about it. And the other thing is, there was that period in in the '90s uh, when um, alternative music was super in vogue, and every band was getting looked at. Right, because you were there pre-Nirvana, during Nirvana, post-Nirvana, all that stuff. Yeah, and and uh, man, every band was getting looked at, and 
every band was getting offers and it was this terribly sad story when all of these bands with with stars in their eyes would get offered a major label deal and they would record a record and they would go on tour and then it was time to do their second record and then they got it got completely canned and they got dropped and they were just a tax write-off right i could tell the stories before i even hear them because i've heard them so many times on the show like uh, you sign to the major, the A&R person is all about you, you record the record, the A&R person leaves, the label doesn't care anymore, and you get flushed down the toilet. Yeah. It's a sad state of affairs. Yeah, it is. And uh, and then you you lose a lot of credibility. And I at least wanted to feel like, uh, I at least wanted to feel like we could hang on to our credibility as a, you know, we, we weren't the we, we weren't the most hardcore band. We weren't the punkest band, but I wanted to feel like we were still punk. Well, I mean, it's pretty impressive to be that young and just say, hey, I'm not going to do this. I choose not to do this because I'm sure if I was in the same position, I would have done whatever I could do. You know, sure, I'll, I'll sign with this label. I'll go as far as I can, whatever else. But to be like, no, I'm comfortable where I am. This is what I want to do. That's uh, I I think that's admirable. Well, uh, again, we we had day jobs and uh, we we all went to college, so we didn't we didn't <laughs> we didn't have to re- rely on it. And uh, I mean, honestly, like like what are you going to achieve with uh with all of that? Like, you know, fame is fleeting. Um, you can get money from anywhere. Um. Women are nice, but, uh, you know, they're also fleeting. So I don't know. I just kind of wanted to, I, I just wanted to, I didn't want it to be that. And I wanted to have opportunities to, uh, spend time with my mom and, uh, my loved ones and, uh, not miss holidays, uh, or important life events because I had some other obligation. I think it's, uh, I, th- I think a lot of it's pretty goofy if if you think about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know everything you're saying is true, but I still would have I still would have wanted it. Like whatever little well, that's where I was at the time because I was like really unhappy and looking for anything to fill the hole. So it's like okay, like six months of fleeting attention. Sure, I'll give anything to have that. But uh, it sounds like you had a it sounds like you had a pretty fulfilling life. So you know you weren't. That's not where your head was at. Yeah, I, 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 I yeah. I mean, I, I, I have very little complaints. Um, may I ask? May I ask you a question? Oh, please. What was causing you to be in such an unhappy place in your life? Um, let's see. I had a lot of. Uh, I was unhappy in general, uh, partially because of like stuff I went through growing up. You know, like death in the family. Uh, my parents were really busy with work, so they weren't around a lot, uh, getting bullied in school. And this all culminated in a drug and alcohol addiction, which went on for like 15 or 16 years. So it was like a lot of stuff that I was trying to mask, a lot of unhappy feelings that I was trying to mask with drugs and alcohol. So I'm getting high. I'm jumping from relationship to relationship. I think if I'm in a band, that's going to be the cure all for everything. So I was, uh, I was mis, I was like lost for a really long time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate you. Uh, I really appreciate your candor with that. I appreciate you asking. Well, it couldn't have been easy. No, no, it's a, well, it's heavy. Um, yeah. No, but, uh, no, it's uh, it's good to be able to, I, I think it's great to be able to uh, have uh, time to reflect on things that happened to us in the past and. Uh, oh, yeah. And, and, and try to understand like certain decisions that you make and uh, certain paths that you take. But, uh, yeah. Like um, I was thinking about this while I was researching you, Popeye, because, you know, at young ages, early 20s, mid 20s, it seemed like you were doing what I'm doing now. Like now I know exactly what I want. I know what to do. I know what work I need to do to get where I want. Right. But that only happened within the last five or six years since I cleaned up. Right. Mm. And I'm like, wow, imagine if I had been like 20, 20 years old, 24 years old and had the focus that I did now. Cause plenty of f- friends of mine lived uh, somewhat more stable lives and had bands that they took far or marriages or businesses or whatever else. And I'm like, wow, it was just like, it was just all this time kind of drifting. So for you to be young and uh, you have the band, you graduate college, you have a career, like you're kind of already doing that in your twenties, right? Like you're, you're focused. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then the uh, train went off the rails many times <laughs> since then. But, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, I think, I think it's important to have uh, a, it's kind of weird. Cause I, I felt like I needed to have a lot of focus, but then, but then I kind of learned that you can kind of not have a lot of focus and certain people in your life may not enjoy that so much. Um, (laughs) but, uh, but then you, but then you're, you know, you, you can pivot in different directions and you can, you know, you can, you can try out different things. And I think it goes back to, uh, you know, getting back to, to music, I was not aware that it had been 10 years since I had done anything musically until this band started and until, uh, people started asking for me to come on podcasts. I was like, why am I so popular all of a sudden? Oh shit. It's been like 10 years and I'm, you know, <laughs> and I, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not Kevin seconds or Milo Ackerman by any means, but, um, it's uh it's it, 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 it's interesting and it's good to be able to have these conversations when they're you know open and honest like this and uh and i i forget that oh you're a musician <laughs> i forget like i like i like i don't i don't think about it um but then when you do like you can find something and find a an opportunity to do something awesome and do something with nurturing people and, uh, um, and make new friends and reconnect with old friends. And, uh, man, it's, a <laughs> it's a great feeling. Um, I, I, oh I, yeah. yeah. That's I mean, interesting what you say, because 
Yeah, you're 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 probably not sitting around thinking like, oh, it has been ten years since I've been in, in a full band with other people, or oh, it's been twenty years since I've done this. Probably not until you're on these podcasts like this one and talking about it. Do you think like, oh yeah, this is what's going on? Yeah. No, I thought I thought uh, your favorite train wreck was like three weeks ago. <laughs> like, a, like a like oh wait what how old are you? Um, <laughs> 2012 honestly yeah. still feels like three years ago. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I moved up to New York City in 2012, and I'm like, there's no way that was 11 years ago. That's impossible. Right. Well, yeah, you asked me about moving to Scranton, and I was like, oh my god, has it been six years? Yeah, it has been. That's wild. Yeah. So Monroe Doctrine, I have questions. Mm-hmm. Now, first of all, this is a classic. I love the record. Thank you. And I hope you're unhappy. I have to hear about this breakup because this is one <laughs> this is one of the best breakup songs ever. And I in my uh overly dramatic twenties and part of my thirties too, I would always listen to this song when something was going wrong. Um well I will tell you that it was it's it's always been one of my least favorite songs to play live not not because it not because it puts me in, into an emotional state it's just because i have a terrible habit of doing too much writing and not giving myself room to breathe and uh yeah like technically like like I, I, I don't think I ever played it once and played it perfectly. Like it just, <laughs> I always fucked it up. Um, so I'll get that out of the way first and foremost. Um, uh, I never thought anyone would care about it. Um, it was, it was one of those situations when, um, you know, this, this was like, this was pre garage band. Like, you could, like it was really hard to, record demos and send it to the other guys in your band. So you had to show, you had to show up to band practice and, and sing your heart out and like, Hey, I got a new song guys and like play it for everybody. And then again, you would just kind of stand there and wait for the reaction. Is this okay? Like, is everybody cool with the song? Like, do you want to work with this? It's, it's not very punk. It's not very hardcore. And that I would just kind of wait for everybody to, let me know if we are going to move forward with this song. And luckily everyone said, yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. We can work with it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much the, yeah. There, there was never a lot of uh, jubilation with everybody. Like, like, Oh my God, that's the best song. It was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah. And then we just, uh, we would spend a few hours just kind of working with it. The content of it was, yeah nothing really nothing really crazy it was just a it was a it was a breakup song um it was a uh a woman that i was in a relationship with for i don't know a year and a half maybe and uh and then we broke up you know nothing crazy just uh the typical reasons why people in their 20s uh end relationships with and uh yeah, and I was just kind of, I was uh, just taking a walk when I was uh, living here in Huntington Beach, and I don't know, it just kind of popped into my head. I thought, all right, well, go with it. You got band practice in a couple of days. You got to show up with something. 
Did she ever hear the song? I'm pretty sure she never did. She was not a she was not a punk rock girl by any means. Mm. So, uh, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure she never did. Probably for the best that she never did. Yeah, it's the, that's probably for the best. Yeah, it was just uh, yeah, uh, uh, pretty much pretty much it. Um, I I don't know. I, I guess it's it's hard to know why anybody would resonate with anything that you do and why so many people ask me about that song um, in the first place. Cause uh, you know, to me it was just, uh, it was just another song. Like it was, you know, we gotta, we gotta write music. We gotta record a record. We gotta do stuff. It's because it puts into words so well, how we feel after certain breakups. I've had plenty of breakups like that, usually the shorter relationships, where I'm like, yeah, I really hope they're unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I will say that in my mind, it wasn't, it wasn't a hateful song. It was just, it was more like oftentimes when, when you end a relationship and, and then you'll say, well, we, you know, we can be friends. Let's just be friends. And I was thinking, I don't want to be your friend. Like, can I just be, can I be honest? Like, I don't, I don't want to be friends with you anymore. Like, I just want to like move on. I don't want to think about you. I don't want to meet for coffee and hear about who you're dating now. Like, I don't know. Not at all. Like, just fucking go away. You know what? It actually annoys me when people do that. Yeah. I know it's healthy and I know like technically it's what you're supposed to do. But look, my last two relationships did not end well. We're not friends. We don't meet for coffee. I don't hear about their current partners. So that's my reality. So when I hear that, oh, yeah, we still hang out. Oh, yeah. You know, we all get together with our new uh, partners. I'm like, what What? Yeah. What reality are you living in? That yeah. is not my reality. Yeah. I, I do not think that it's healthy and I do not think that it's friendly. Like, I think it's okay to just say, no, like we're done, like yeah. done, done, like go away. Don't call me. Cause that was the thing. Like, like she, you know, she would call me just to ask how I was doing. And I'm like, why do you fucking care? Like, I don't <laughs> like, why are you calling me? Like, come on, like, like go away. Like, I want to go away. You go away. I was fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, and now I got to process all this stuff that we're talking about, which is like stupid. Like what a waste of time. Like, don't do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, the know, clean break is the way to go. I agree. Yeah, well, I'm glad you agree. Yeah, I'm glad you agree too, Keith. <laughs> All right, good. Save it for the children. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on with this song? <laughs> um. <laughs> now, I, nope. I've read that like we all had different uh, influences and we all want to put them in the band, but... That <laughs> I'm just I'm just so thrilled because <laughs> I, I'm so thrilled that you're asking me about that song. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, Kevin Murphy is a uh, is a metalhead. Um, he used he used to make mixtapes of like death metal and black metal bands for me, and <laughs> when we. <laughs> When we went in to record the Monroe Doctrine, we all, I, 
it was kind of, I think it was kind of unspoken, but I think we all kind of knew that this would be the last recording session that we ever have. Ah. Um, I mean, it, it just kind of seemed like it was, you know, kind of reaching the end of the road for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, initially, Kevin wanted it to be a, a double LP, but Revelation said, well, if you're not going to go on tour, then no, because that's going to be really expensive and it'll be difficult for us to recoup the uh, cost for that. And so we, tr- we try to record it. As, so we were like, all right, well, we got, <laughs> we're in the studio and uh, let's just like record everything that comes out of our minds right now. And uh, it was, it was one of those, one of those times where we were just kind of sitting around and just fooling around. And uh, I don't know, it just kind of, it just kind of came out. Um, and uh, yeah, we even got to, uh, we even got Jim Monroe to do some backing vocals on that. Yeah. It was. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys ever play that live? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, possibly. That would be great if you did, like, if you went from I hope you're unhappy to save it for the children. <laughs> yeah. To like but, statues of snow or something. Something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was, it, it was just like a, like a downtime kind of situation, like, eh, whatever. Um, yeah. There, and there were, there were, there were no vocals. Like, I was just like, I was just like yelling gibberish into the microphone. And I was like, hey, Jim, like, can you turn it down? So, I, so I sound like a grizzly bear. And then I wrote the <laughs> lyrics afterwards to hopefully match up what I thought I was saying. Um, yeah, it was just uh, well when we would uh, when we would get together to practice, we would probably spend the first hour just doing like death metal jams, and uh, so yeah, we always had a we always had a love for death metal and like, hey, can I get on the drums for a minute? And can you play bass? And we'll just goof off, and then we yeah. We'd, we play for like an hour and then we would take a break for like an hour and like catch up. And then we would think, Oh, we should probably play some music. Eh, I need another soda. And then, you know, yeah, we were, we were not always uh, the most productive band, but we had a lot of fun most of the time. Was there ever any, uh, butting heads about influences or writing or anything? Because again, I think I might've just created this story in my mind, but there's a, well, there's one drastic shift on that record with Save It For The Children, but there's a there's a couple tonal shifts of like the style of music going on on the Monroe Doctrine where, did you guys ever bud heads when you were writing or like what direction you wanted to go in or anything? No, I never, I never felt that. Um, everyone was always pretty open about, uh, I think if you, I think if you had something to bring to the table, we felt like we could potentially work with it. If you had something to bring to the table and we, it, i think the thing with farside was that we didn't really know what we were doing but we also did not give a fuck like we just <laughs> we just we enjoyed getting together and making music together but now there were, there was never any uh there were never any specifics about okay we need to sound more like this band or we need to sound less like this band and we tried to be democratic as much as we could like Hey, here's a song. Anybody, anybody dig that? All right. No. What about this? Yeah, that's cool. All right. Let's go with that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was nice in, in that regard. Cause, uh, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think not having any goals <laughs> in mind 
<laughs> makes makes it easy to just like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? I don't know. Great. Here's a song. Okay. It just kind of, yeah, it, it, that, that was, uh, that was kind of the framework for the whole thing. Like there, there were, there was nobody that we, there was no one in particular that we emulated or thought that we had to sound like, and there was nobody that we thought that we should not sound like we just kind of, we did our own thing and we, you know, we, we were always surprised when somebody reacted well to anything that we did. When, uh, when does the band end? How does it end? Uh, I don't know. I, I, there, there, well, um, our bass player, Brian Chu had been living in San Francisco. He was going to school there. And so it became, it became more and more difficult. I'm not blaming him for anything by any means. Um, it kind of, it kind of goes along with, uh, what we were talking about earlier when, uh, you know, we were, you know, we were out of school and we had like full-time jobs and we were getting older and stuff. Um, Brian, uh, was in San Francisco going to school to get, uh, to get his, uh, teaching credential. And so it became more and more difficult for us to, to get together to play. But I think we all just kind of, I think we all just kind of lost interest in a way because, uh, I remember, I remember Kevin bringing it up and asking like, what are we going to do? Like get together once in a while to play a few shows on a weekend and maybe put out a seven inch once in a while. Like, is it even worth it? And yeah, we were just kind of standing together in a parking lot and we were like, "Mm, maybe it's just time to hang it up. So, uh, we just kind of parted ways quietly. We never had a, we never had a last show because that would have seemed kind of silly. Also like, Hey, it's our last show. Why is this your last show? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, we were just like, yeah, I'm just going to go home. going to, you know, go to Jack in the box and get some sleep and I'll talk to you guys later. You know, it was just kind of, yeah, it was, it was quiet. It was a quiet departure. I see. I see. So that was it. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Really anticlimactic. Uh, <laughs> just like, just like, yeah, this is kind of goofy. Yeah. That's yeah. Personally, I felt like I got to do, I mean, I never thought that I would ever do anything as a quote unquote musician. It's incredible to me. And I think about it every day that I got to, I got to do a lot of stuff. Um, you know, all the traveling, all the friends that I made, um, the the records that i got to put out and uh it's incredible to me and the thing is again they were not goals they were just like wouldn't that be cool if you got to do that thing yeah and i got to do them they just happened yeah and they were they were amazing to me all of them and uh I, I could tell you not a day goes by where I don't think about like not a day goes by where I don't have one of those moments where I could be doing some completely random tasks. Like I'm washing the dishes or I'm scooping out a litter box. And then all of a sudden it's just like, Hey, remember that time where you were in that place and there was that guy and there was that thing. And 
Oh, what a great memory. Every day that happens. Like I'm so eternally grateful that I got to do any of this stuff. And amazingly, it keeps happening. And I I personally don't really get it <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, you know, even with calling hours now, like, oh shit, you get to do this again. You get to do this. You get to go to Europe. You get to play the show in New Jersey or Harrisburg or wherever. And you're, you're doing this stuff. It's amazing. So with Farside, none of those things were goals. It was just what happened. And I'm so appreciative of it. And this conversation that we're having right now, Keith, is a product of that. Like, I mean, that band broke up decades ago. And <laughs> you want to talk to me about it. How great is that? Yeah, it's pretty trippy. Like, I heard the first thing I heard from Farside was Monroe Doctrine. I was driving back from New York City to Philly with some friends, and they put on the record, and I was like, Who's this? And they're like, Farside. And I'm like, Wow, this is good. And then I remember at one point, Save It for the Children came on, and I was like, Wait, <laughs> wait is this still the same band? And they're like, Yeah, they, they do some different stuff on this record. And now, fast forward 20 years later, and I just happened to have this podcast, and you just happen to have a new band, and we happen to be connecting here, and I can ask you about it. It's really weird. Yeah. And really cool. It's really weird, but mostly really cool. Yeah. Because now we're friends, Keith. I hope so. Whether you I like hope it so. or not. Whether you like no, it or not. Li- no, <laughs> listen, I'm going to be emailing you now uh, about <laughs> hooking up for shows and uh, just all kinds of things, Popeye. It's going to be crazy. No, but... But seriously, I have the same attitude that you do. When I was young, I got to do a lot of cool band-related stuff, touring, being being out on tour with friends, shows, all kinds of crazy stuff that I look back on and remember things and, and am eternally grateful about. And now I get to do it again with this show and the music I'm doing now. So I have the same attitude you do, where it's just this eternal feeling of being grateful. Yeah. It's all gravy. That's right. Well, Popeye, I want to thank you for everything you've done and everything you're doing. And I want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. Keith, thank you for the invitation. It's, uh, I am also grateful and I, I appreciate you taking the interest and uh, very, very humbled uh, by your support. Thank you very much, Keith. And there you have it, Popeye Vogelsang. Amazing conversation. He really caught me off guard a couple times. You know, when he asked me about my past and I told him about things that were going on with me and I wasn't expecting that. I'm always caught off guard when I'm talking to someone and they ask me a question because I'm just not expecting it. It doesn't happen most of the time. And Popeye caught me off guard again when he said that we were friends now because no one's ever said that before. But you know what, Popeye? I'm happy to consider you a friend now as well. And that conversation was easily one of the best ones I had all year. Calling Hours is excellent. I'm really happy that Popeye is doing music in a full band situation again. So if you haven't heard the record, Say Less, highly recommend checking it out. Really, really good stuff. And Farside, classic. 
just classic. I mean, getting to do a deep dive on that and hearing about all of their history was so interesting. Because like I told Popeye, I made up all these stories in my head of why the band broke up and what was going on and all this stuff. And I imagined all these big fights and all this drama and nope, they're still friends. They just don't feel the need to get together and play again. Not right now, at least. Who knows? Maybe it's a possibility for the future. But it was really great just hearing the whole story. And who knew that Zach De La Roca was in the band at one point? I didn't know that. So really, really awesome conversation. Thank you so much, Popeye, for coming on the show. So let's check in, huh? How are we doing? I've had quite a tumultuous few weeks. It's been stressful with my dad. He had his surgery. He's out of the hospital now. He's home. So he's good. So there was a lot of family turmoil and things to work out and communication, but but it seems like we have stabilized now and everyone is good and it's brought us closer together, which I like. That's good. I've been working on my new band. There's been a lot of time spent in the studio figuring things out, recording, refining, mixing. That's been stressful. Stressful, but awesome. I'm excited. But that seems to be stabilized, and I have a plan for the future now. So there's a lot of things happening. There's a lot of stuff going on, but generally I feel pretty happy. Things are pretty good. The podcast is always steady and good. I've got new music on the horizon. My family is okay. Work is okay. It's good. I'm good. We're closing out the year big here. And it's a rainy Sunday in New York City here. It's late at night. I'm getting ready to. Finish up this podcast and get it ready to deliver to you tomorrow morning. It was another busy weekend of stuff, just all weekend long, no breaks. So I'm tired and I need a break. And I think I'll have one this week and then we've got Christmas break coming up. So I'm looking forward to that. So why don't we check in with the new scene community hour? I got a couple of Spotify QA responses here. Okay, Julian Torres says, please more alternative metal band interviews like Svalbard and Death Heaven. I love hardcore, but would love to hear from the alternative metal musicians more often, like Baroness. Thank you, Julian, for that comment. And I have heard you, and I have added more of those type of bands to the list. We have a big running list of bands we're reaching out to and bands we want to have on the show. I added a couple more in that stratosphere just for you. And listen, we're going to talk to everybody. This show is just getting started and I want to talk to everybody. So we're going to make it happen. And on episode 203 with Mario Loveland from Best X, Simon says, one of my favorite episodes of this year. Great guest, great chat. Thank you, Simon. That's Simon Downbeat Vinyl, everybody. A big supporter of the show. I appreciate you, Simon. And uh, just another reminder, we're sitting at 157 Apple Podcast reviews. I would really like to get us over 200 sometime soon. So if you listen on Apple Podcasts, open up the app, open up the app, search the new scene, scroll down, find us, hit that five-star button. And if you write a review, I will read it on the air during this portion of the show. Also, don't forget to check out the new scene 2023 Spotify playlist. 
I add all of our guests. I add all of our recommendations. It's a great way to check out all the music associated with the show. And I do one for each year of the show. So you can go back and check it out and hear all the historical ones as well. It's great to put on during a long drive. I do that sometimes myself. So that's it. That's all I've got for this week. We are going to end the show with my favorite Far Side song. It's called Statues of Snow. I'm back next week with a new episode and a new guest. So thanks everybody for listening. And until next time.